I'm excited to jump into the Word today. If you have your Bible, however it is that you, um, that you read, whether it's on your iPad or your device, uh, or it's a physical Bible, I encourage you to bring it out and turn with me, if you will, to Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 4. Now, Zechariah is in the first half of the Bible for those who are new to it. It's towards the end of the first half, uh, if you're looking to navigate there. And so I, I want us to look, if you will, at Zechariah chapter 4 verses 6 through 10. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, uh, but you can follow along in whatever translation it is that you have. So the Bible says, Then he said to me, and this is going to make more sense as we go along, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward to the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Verse 8 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And then the last verse for our reading is verse 10 says, For whoever has despised the day of small beginnings shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. I'm excited uh, to preach this word. I'm going to share a message with you entitled, Who Are You? Oh, great mountain. Most definitely, there's so much that's happening in our world today. But I wonder if there's anybody watching who believes that there is hope beyond this. If you believe that there's hope, come on, in the comments, I want you to say, I believe, I believe, I believe. Praise God. Let's bow our heads, let's pray, and then we're going to jump right into this. God, I thank you for this preaching opportunity. I give you the glory and the honor for it, Lord. And I pray, God, even in this moment, that Holy Spirit, you use my mouth that you would use my life to impact those who are on the other side of this camera and that you would empower them through that which they hear to go out and make impact in their world. I thank you and I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In fact, somebody in the chat ought to put, who are you, O great mountain? Who are you, O great mountain? Listen, as you know, if you're not living under a rock, you know, you are seeing that most definitely we are living in the midst of challenging times. Uh, you know, it all started with COVID. I call it God's big timeout. He like put all of us in timeout, you know, and we have been in the house. We've been in the corner having to deal with all sorts of stuff. And he's positioned us in many regards to develop and build certain relationships that we're lacking, if you will, uh, all amidst all of the tragedy and things that are transpiring uh, throughout the world. One of the things that has come to the surface that we've had to deal with uh, is police brutality. And, you know, as you guys, we, we got the opportunity last week to hang with Pastor Sam and Pastor Jess and kind of unpack some of the things that are happening around racism, not just in the U.S., but also in a Canadian context. And this is a conversation that is ongoing. And I believe that it's not just something that is confined, you know, to, uh, to, to this conversation of race, but it's something that is a gospel issue as well. And as people who have been commissioned and commanded to go out and love on the world, this is something that can't be event-based, but it's something that has to be an ongoing effort and attempt by the grace and the power of God. And so, you know, most definitely the most recent event that has transpired up to this point, 
kind of the straw that broke the camel's back was the brutal murder of George Floyd. And this is kind of what got everybody's attention. And, you know, this happened in the midst of this pandemic and consequently it's forced many of us to have to stop and to focus and to pay attention and really deal with whether we are individuals that deal with racism or prejudice in our heart or we are individuals who have had this exercised against us or where we don't even know where we fall or land. It's something that's been directly in our face. Now, the thing is that George Floyd, I saw a video and it absolutely blew my mind, brought me to tears, broke me down. It was a video I posted on my Instagram page. Um, and, you know, he had his daughter on his shoulders. And his daughter, as he's having her on his, his shoulders, his daughter declares and says, my daddy changed the world. My daddy changed the world. And he's holding her. And the, and the person that's videotaping said, what, what did you say? She says, my daddy changed the world. And it was nuts to me as I was watching this in retrospect. I knew that in that moment, she had absolutely no clue the prophetic implications of that statement. She had no clue that even though she believed this in her little heart, that this was going to be, that her father's murder was going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. That it was going to be that that would spark such massive, uh, a massive stance across the world, across many platforms, across nations, to where places like New Zealand having a, having, you know, being championed as having the biggest protest aside from the United States. I mean, I'm sure she didn't know that this was what it was that she was declaring, but in her little heart, she declared and she believed that her daddy somehow was going to change the world. Broke my heart. And it sucked. I said, you know, little girl, I, I made in the, in the little blurb that I made, I just said, you know, it just sucks that it had to be this way. You know, and as I'm talking about this and, you know, uh, George Floyd's daughter communicated that her dad was going to change the world. There are some other world changers that, you know, that Jesus made a declaration to right before he left the earth. And in fact, in the Great Commission, what is known as the Great Commission, it's, it's the commission, it's the commandment that Jesus gave his disciples before he left the planet. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, Jesus tells the disciples, these are some Jewish individuals, right? He tells them and he says, go into all the world. Go preach the gospel to all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And he says, lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. And so he makes this big declaration, this world-changing declaration to this group of individuals that they're going to go out and to preach the gospel to all creatures. Now, I want you to understand this. This is given, this command is given to people who did not associate themselves with certain people groups. This command was given to people who were Jewish. And if you look historically, for example, uh, the Jews, they were in a position where they were a chosen people. And their perspective of others, it was Jews and then there were Gentiles. And there were Gentiles were people who were not born Jews. And so there was racism that even existed in the context of Judaism. They especially hated people who were Samaritans. 
Bible makes it clear that, and history would, would make it clear that Samaritans were seen as a mixed breed. They were Jewish and they were Gentile because of their, their lineage. And so, it, you know, history would declare that Jews actually saw Samaritans. They said they don't call them a nation, they call them a herd. They said that a piece of bread that came from a Samaritan was worse than uh, was worse than a piece of swine, right? And this whole idea, and if you know anything about Judaism, you know, swine was incredibly unclean. And so they likened it. This was a proverb in their midst, a piece of bread that came. So when you're talking about this, this is, these are the type of people that Jesus is telling to go into all the world, that they are going to be world changers. But the fact of the matter is that when, that, that I don't believe in that moment, and we're going to see this in a moment, that they understood the implications of this command. They, they, I don't believe that they understood, and the Bible would show us that they did not get the fact that this world-changing command was extended, this love of God, this, this salvation that Jesus told them about in John chapter 3, verse 16, and throughout Scripture. I don't think they got that it meant that it was people beyond the Jewish nation. This is why we see even in uh, the, book of, the book of Acts, throughout the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, if you look at it, this whole concept of people other than Jewish people having relationship with God was outside of their, their norm and outside of their pattern. In Acts chapter 2, and in verse 5, note this, we just came out of Pentecost weekend. For those who are new to Christianity or wonder what Pentecost is, Pentecost was a Jewish uh, festival or feast. And this just happened to be the time, around this time, when uh, the church was born, when God poured out his spirit and gave life to the New Testament church, which C3 Toronto and Serve City and all these other incredible churches around our city that we're a part of, it all started during this time of Pentecost. And so what we see here is in Acts chapter 2, verse 5, when God is getting ready to pour out his spirit, Bible says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude, the sound, this was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we just celebrated that happened uh, on this past weekend, or two weekends ago, actually, uh, and on March 31st. The, the Bible makes it clear and says that at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And so they go on and they talk about all of these different types of people. But even in this context, it's Jewish people, right? So it's not until later in the book of Acts when we get to Acts chapter 10. And because of the sake of time, I'm, I'm not going to go into it too deep, but Peter the Apostle Peter, he's sitting on his roof and he has a vision. And God puts before him foods that Jewish people thought were unclean, which represented people who were outside of their uh, racial barrier, which were outside of people that they were, that were acceptable to them. These foods that they were not accustomed to being a part of and having interaction with. And Jesus is starting to tell them through this vision that guess what? The people that you thought could not come along. The people that you thought were unclean. I actually have a desire to be in relationship with them as well. 
And so we find that in the book of Acts chapter 10, this is where Peter has this revelation. And, and after he has an interaction with some individuals, and a, a miraculous moment happens. He gets called to a, uh, to a Gentile home where the gospel is preached. And the Bible makes it clear that while he was yet preaching in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, speaking of Jewish people, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So they didn't get it. When Jesus commanded and said, listen, y'all are going to change the world. Go out there and preach the gospel to everyone. They're still thinking in the Jewish mind, but God's plan was so much bigger than their comfortability and their preference. And this is the thing that Jesus, when Jesus, Jesus is in the position where, you know, and this is why the disciples missed a lot of things. When he was on the earth, you know, Jesus demonstrated this stuff. He went across racial lines all the time. We see in John chapter 4, he has an interaction with a woman at the well. And this woman is a Samaritan woman. Not only is she a woman, which is something out of the ordinary, this Jewish man talking to her himself, but she's a Samaritan woman. And he has an encounter and an exchange with her in this moment to the point where the disciples came up and they're like, why are you talking to this woman? And this Samaritan woman, and this life-changing encounter, Jesus gives her words of knowledge about herself and her lifestyle. And she goes back to her people and ends up saying, I got, you got to come and see about this man who told me everything that I ever did. She's a Samaritan and she has a transformative experience. But yet and still, when this command is made, they, 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 they were in this position where they fully didn't grasp it. And it's not till later on that they see that God is pouring out his spirit also on the Gentiles. You'll see where I'm going here in a moment. And so this is powerful because when I'm thinking about all that's happening in our world today, and I'm thinking about us pushing past our preferences, and I'm thinking about loving even in the midst of challenge. You know, this is so relevant to us. And the Bible makes it clear, not the Bible, but history proves rather that Sunday is often the most segregated day of the week. And there are many of us who are in a place and, you know, we're, we're, when we look at our circle of influence and we look at our friendships we see that we are separated in many regards and some of us hold the prejudice in our heart that Jesus is for us and our people and for no more and some of us you're wondering you're in a place of hopelessness and you're like can we even get beyond this I pastor I hear you I hear what you're saying but is there really hope beyond this and I, I believe that there's, there's some powerful insight even as we talk and we look back at Pentecost and the birth of the church right after God's, uh, Jesus's, the encounter uh, where Jesus makes this commission and this declaration to the disciples. We find that in the book of Acts chapter 1, before the Holy Spirit pour, is poured out on all flesh, Watch this. Jesus meets with the disciples and he says, here it is again in verse 8. Bible says in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power. Somebody in the comments put power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Somebody right where you are say the ends 
of the earth. And so this was, this was a promise that was made to the disciples in addition to the call upon their life to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus says the way that it's going to happen, the way that you're going to be able to love everybody, the way that you're going to be able to go beyond your racial preferences and love, the way that you're going to be able to love even in the midst of hurt. Come on. The way that you're going to be able to experience this. He says, but you will receive power. Not power to just hang around and be in the us for and no more. Not power to just sit in the corner and cower and be in the place where because of hope deferred, your heart is sick and you feel like ending it and you feel like not moving forward. But God says that he would give us power to be able to move beyond our preferences. Power to be able to have a heart that loves even in the midst of hatred. Come on, somebody. It's empowerment to be able to experience this world world-changing commitment, this world-changing commission that we receive. And so if I was to give you a point, here's point number one for you. Here it is, point number one. God won't give us an assignment without empowerment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody go ahead and put that in the chat. You know, if it was up to you and it was up to the disciples, if it was up to just the disciples in their natural flesh, they would have been, they would have been incapable of being able to carry out the call that God had given them. Come on. Remember, they're growing up with a Jewish perspective. They hate Samaritan people. They are in a position where they are not accustomed to interacting with Gentiles. But this call that God had on their life was greater than them come on and the hope that God wanted to bring to the world oh I feel this thing the hope that he wanted to bring to the world would not happen by their strength but it had to happen by the empowerment of the Lord and so we see the promise here he says you'll receive power says you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you even Jesus exemplifies that which he commands not only did he go across racial lines for himself but he also, he also showed that he too in his humanity, because Jesus, the, the hypostatic union in Jesus was hypostasis. He was fully God and he was also fully man. And so he came to the earth and Philippians 2 lets us know that he, although he was equal with God, he laid this aside to walk humbly as a servant in the earth and in human flesh to die for our sins. And so while he's here and while he's doing this, he himself in his humanity was baptized as he commands for us to be baptized. And not only was he baptized, but the Bible makes it clear in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, that after his baptism, the Bible says the spirit descended upon him like a dove. And thereafter, this is the commencement, this is the inception of Jesus' ministry. So even while Jesus was on the earth in a position of humanity, he too needed of the Holy Spirit to be able to accomplish the work that God had sent him into the earth to do. And so Jesus exemplifies that which he commands. Now I want you to see this, I want you to see this. The Bible makes it clear that while they are there in this same Acts 1 chapter 8, he, he declares to them, he declares to them, he says, but you will receive power while the Holy Spirit is, uh, when the Holy Spirit is come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And the Bible makes it clear that he tells them in this same chapter that they're supposed to wait until they receive the promise of the Father. Oh my, can I give you point number two? If I can give it to you right where you are in your living room, in your bedroom, if you're in the car, wherever you're listening to this or watching this, I want you to say, give it to me. Come on, come on, come on. Here it is. God's movement often comes 
through a delay followed by a suddenly. Oh my, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes through a delay often followed by a suddenly. Yeah, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that they are here and they are waiting in this room and there are people who started with them but did not end up finishing with them and it ends up being 120 people that is in that are in this room and they are with one accord. They are united and they are praying. Come on. And while they are praying in that moment, as they are waiting, suddenly, suddenly, Somebody in the comment section put suddenly, 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 suddenly while they are there. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And then tongues end up happening, this manifestation of tongues. And it, of course, in this moment, it's Jewish people that are largely presented here. But this is the inception of the body of Christ. There was a way. Wait, but then there was a suddenly, my God. And what we are seeing, I believe, in, in our world today, in the midst of this giant timeout that we're in right now, is that God out of nowhere, come on, anybody feel like it was a surprise attack? There's some of us, you didn't plan for it. There's some of you, it wasn't even on your radar. And when we're talking about racism and prejudice, you didn't even realize that this is an actual thing. And some of y'all, you okay with shouting across the border, but you didn't realize that there's prejudice right in your backyard. Come on, can I just walk? down your row real quick. I want to encourage you to understand that right here, smack dab, there is a suddenly. I am so encouraged. I have never seen so many white people standing in solidarity with black people. I have never seen so many voices that have risen. I mean, I, 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 I am just so overjoyed and excited about what it is that God is doing. It is at the forefront. Questions are being asked. Conversations are being had. My wife and I, we literally have been having conversations non-stop in regards to this because people are open and people are ready and we're saying man conversations we were scared to have before we're not scared about having them anymore come on because God is opening hearts in this moment that there are people who are rising up and who are being empowered to 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 walk out and to to walk boldly instead of cowardly but they are walking boldly and making moves for the kingdom's sake so this initial call that was given to the disciples which ricochets down the corridors of time and comes to us who claim to be Christians as well that we can carry out this call to preach the gospel to every creature not just ones that look like us come on somebody whether people have heard us or whether we have hurt people that we get to be empathetic that we get to be sympathetic that we get to open our hearts and go beyond our preference and live beyond our hurt and experience the healing of the Lord and it's all happening in a sudden Somebody really quickly in the comments, just go ahead and put suddenly. I don't even know who I'm talking to because there might be somebody who's watching and you're like, man, this is kindly un kind of unrelated. You've been waiting. You've been waiting. You've been waiting. Come on. And I believe that God, even in this moment, can turn stuff around and just cause a suddenly to happen in your life. Here we go. So God's movement often comes through a delay followed by a suddenly. Now I want you to see this because think about this. If we just go back in history, if we just look at the historicity of this thing, the children of, e of Israel uh, were in Egyptian captivity for about 400 years, then there was a suddenly. Yeah, yeah, there was a suddenly, there was a suddenly, God just suddenly sends an individual by the name of Moses. 
And he raises up this Moses individual that he sends out to go and to be into a place where he causes, he uses his life, his imperfect life to be able to make a shift and to make a change, to be able to bring deliverance to the children of Israel after they waited and toiled and experienced all sorts of things for years. Now, this is the thing. Moses was a murderer. He killed And not only this, he had an interesting journey as to how it is that he got where he was. But even in the wilderness, God comes to him and and gives him a call. Moses also had a stutter. And he was in a place of insecurity. And he's like, God, how can you use me? But God, mm, the suddenly that God had, the plan that he had was not on the back of a perfect individual. Was not on the back of a person who had a spotless journey. Come on. But it was on the back of someone who had a stutter. Come on. And he had a plan of emancipation and deliverance to change the norm of something that happened for hundreds of years. There was a suddenly that God caused to happen through this individual. And I don't know who I'm talking to because when you see George Floyd's life and there are many people who attempt to defame the character of individuals posthumously. No, we can't look at George Floyd as a hero. Look at the mistakes that he made. Look at the errors that he made. His little daughter on her shoulders was lying. She was lying. What do you mean he changed her? He don't need to. I'm so glad that God doesn't call the equipped, but that he equips the call. I'm so glad that God uses people that don't have it all together. Hey, my God. He uses people that don't have it all together because if this was the, if, it, if I had to have it all together to be used by God, I wouldn't be standing before you right now. It don't matter about his felonious past. It doesn't matter about his errors. Come on. I'm sure that wasn't the way that he wanted to be used to make impact in the world but I'm so glad that God has allowed that his death will not be in vain it has got the attention and yes baby girl although your dad had to die I believe that God has used him and his story and his situation to make impact that is going to send that's going to ricochet around the earth the world and continue to make change and cause things to happen that have been delayed for many years and so many of us, we're in a position because, as I said, the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And there are many of you, you're like, man, slavery was for so long. You're talking about Israel, Israelite slavery. But look at slavery in this position. Look at systemic racism all around the world. Look at how black people have been treated. And so for some of you that are racialized, that are not black, you're like, look at my people. And I believe that even this season, can I just talk about it? Even in this Black Lives Matter season, I believe that God is going to cause, God is going to cause something to happen on a global scale that is beyond Black Lives Matter when Black Lives actually matter. It's going to open the door for many others who have experienced hurt and other people groups to be able to be impacted, come on, and loved on and for, 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 for change and impact to happen in those cultures and I love this because as we're talking about this I started in reading a story and reading a passage from the book of Zechariah and I want you to go back there and you're wondering why in the world are you going there and I think that it's something that's impactful because you need to understand that in Zechariah there's a character who is known as Zerubbabel everybody say Zerubbabel and Zerubbabel is this character who is the governor of Judah 
And you need to understand that the Israelites at this point were in Babylonian captivity. They were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years, for about 70 years. And then Cyrus II decided that he was going to let them go to go and rebuild their temple. So they too were in a waiting period. They too were in this time where they were there, where they were even given Babylonian names in this season and in that time that they were in. But the Bible makes it clear that after this time, Cyrus lets them out. And then what happens is after they go back, uh, after this time, right, and, and Zerubbabel is really cool because he's actually listed in Matthew chapter 1 verse 12 and 13 as an ancestor of Jesus. Really cool. But aside from this, 17 years after they're released and they go out to make this happen, there is a 17-year delay because the Persian king Darius put a delay on them. And so notice again, after they've been released, after they've waited, now there's another waiting period. And it's like, what on earth? And it seems like, what's going to happen? How are we going to get beyond this? And here we see that this vision comes to Zerubbabel, who had invested himself now in this new season. And he's saying, man, is this thing really going to happen? Is this thing really, is change really going to happen? Are people really going to get it? Are, do, are there really safe places that are there? I mean, can this, is it really possible that all these white people who are supporting all around the world, that they truly can have our backs and that there's something that's being built here that is really going to change generations and that our kids are going to walk hand in hand? Come here, Martin. That we're going to be to the place where people judge us by the content of our character and not just the color of our skin. Somebody watching, you might be in that place. You're saying, is it possible? Oh, look at this. Look at this assignment after this period. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 1 says, And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? I see. I see. And behold, a lampstand. Everybody say a lampstand. All gold with a bowl on top of it. And the seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees. Everybody say olive trees. And olive trees and olive oil are representative, representative of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture symbolically. And Bible says one on the right of the bowl and one on the left. In other words, the oil that is being sourced here is happening because of this. And it says, and I said to the angel who said to me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? He says, I said, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, watch this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. How in the world are we going to continue to go through? You remember what happened historically? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. How can I love beyond my preference? How can I give people a seat at the table that don't look at me? I'm accustomed to only being surrounded by this circle of, not by might, nor by power, nor by my, by, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You're asking these questions and then here it is in verse 7 who are you oh great mountain before Zerubbabel my God before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain 
And he shall bring forth to the top the stone amidst shouts of grace, grace to it. My God, I don't know who I'm talking to today. This great mountain that is before us, this great mountain of racism and prejudice, this thing that we have waited and lamented over. Come on. And there have been many of you who have been wondering, how can I get forward? How can I move forward? And there are many of you, how can I partner and walk arm in arm with people who I have PTSD as a result of my interaction with it? And I'm here to tell you that it's not by might and it's not by power but this great mountain is nothing in the sight of the Lord and even as God called Moses and even as God used Moses and even as God used Martin Luther King Jr. and even as he used Martin Luther the great reformer come on and even as God has used Ahmad Armory and God has used George Floyd I wonder if it's anybody who's watching that knows that if you and I would open our hearts and submit our ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit that God will give you the ability to do stuff that you didn't even think that you could do who am I talking to I'm getting ready to close this thing but I want to talk to you about about uh, pancakes and I want to talk to you about these pancakes in my family Saturday morning is a very special day this is a time that we have carved out we usually will have family worship and then in addition to that we will make pancakes and I'll make pancakes I'm, I'm pretty much a one-trick pony uh, pancakes is what I make right now this is the thing uh, what I learned about these frying pans and these, these this, is, this is my this is my baby right here uh, don't judge me if it looks a little beat up I use it a lot right uh, so the one thing I learned is that on these pans right even though they declare to be uh, non-stick or to be self-sufficient after a while even the self-sufficiency that they declare, it becomes irrelevant. Come on. And at, at some point, it gets to the place where when you cook stuff on there, when you cook stuff on there, or when some yolk gets attached to it, it gets stuck to the pan. And then when you try to scrape it off, it's difficult. You experience difficulty and it breaks apart and it dirties things up because it gets stuck. To the pan and I'm here to tell you that there's a lot of stuff that's been stuck to your pan there's a lot of stuff that's been stuck to the world that we have been facing and experiencing today who's with me on the, there is so many things there are yokes there are many of you there are hurts that have been stuck to the pan yeah 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 there are hurts that have been stuck to the pan there are things that you've been trying to do things that you've been trying to make pancakes but it's been getting stuck to the pan and every time you try it's breaking apart and you can't seem to be loving God the way that you want to love people, love God and love people the way that God would desire for you to. And it's been looking like a bunch of stuck stuff on the pan. Almost said something else, but stuck stuff on the pan. But I want to tell you this as we learn, my God, in this chapter that these olive trees represent olive oil. And even as God told Zerubbabel that it's this feat that he was taking on to build this temple, that he wasn't going to be able to do it by his might or his power. But it was going to be by the Spirit of the Lord. There's some called olive oil. And this olive oil, my God, what happens is when you put the oil on the pan, things that used to stick to you can't stick to you anymore. Come on. And when it is that you try to make some pancakes, the oil 
allows you to be able to effectively make pancakes. You ought to come by my house sometime. I'll show you those stacks of pancakes that I make for my family. Sometimes I even put some green dye on them and make them cool and, and look cool for the kids. But I'm telling you, you can make all sorts of stuff when you got the oil. My God, can I just let you know this? You can do all sorts of stuff. when you. What is it that God is trying to do to you today? What bridges is he trying to build through you today? What people is he trying to cause you to love beyond your preference? I called you right there in your living room. Repent of your prejudice. Repent of your preference and get to the place where you walk across those lines. God, the same way that George Floyd's daughter says, my daddy's going to change the world. God told you through his disciples years ago that he wants for you and I to change the world. And darkness is not going to drive out darkness. It's going to cause stuff to stick to the pan. Hate is not going to drive out hate. It's going to stick to the pan. But light and love by the grace of God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it's this that gives us the strength to carry out what God has called us to and to be world changers. And so in this moment, I want to challenge you. I don't know who you are, but I want you to join with me and ask, who are you, O great mountain? That which we're facing is not too great for the Lord. It's not too hard for God. And so I want to pull you in in this moment. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're from. There's another life that was sacrificed over 2,000 years ago. And, you know, I wish even Jesus, when he was on his way out, he's like, man, if I don't have to do this, I, you know, so be it. But it's not my will, but your will be done. Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross in Hebrews chapter 12. And Jesus died and gave his life and sacrificed his life so that you and I could experience life-changing love. Love that would not only transform us, but also would empower us because of this love we received to go out and love other people. And so you might be watching and you're like, you know what? I have never made a decision for Christ. I am not in relationship with Christ. I want to know this love that you're talking about. I want to have a relationship with God, no matter about your imperfection. God loves you. He died for you before you took your first breath. He died for you before you could do good or bad. And he calls you today into a relationship with him. And I want to invite you into this relationship. So if that person is you, the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, puts faith in him, puts trust in him, would not perish but would have everlasting life. Romans 10 and 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from death, you will be saved. And so uh, you might be that person that has never made a decision for Christ or you might be someone who has gone away from Christ. And even though you've gone away from Christ, guess what? He has not run away from you and his arms are open wide and he wants to receive you into fellowship and maybe for the first time begin this relationship with you today. And so I'm getting ready to pray a prayer with you. This prayer is not the prayer that saves. It's, 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 it's Jesus who saves us. But this prayer is a line in the sand. It's a prayer of commitment saying the buck stops here. I'm ready to go all the way with Jesus and live a life that is led by him. And so if that person is you, I want to encourage you to repeat after me. And so we say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins and rising from death with all power. Be the Lord of my life and be with me now and forevermore. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.